Welcome to the Thinking Finance podcast. The following podcast will feature opinions and comments on financial markets and instruments. Nothing in the podcast should be taken as direct financial advice. Financial advice should only be taken after all individual circumstances have been considered. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Thinking Finance podcast. I'm your host and independent financial advisor from Lancashire, England, Ashley King. Thank you for coming back. We're on episode nine today. As always, just like to start thanking people for listening, whether you're one of my regular listeners or somebody who's new to the podcast. If you are new, I hope you enjoy the content I've got for you. Please do go back, listen to some of the older episodes. I'm sure there's something in there that you'll find interesting or useful. Again, I'm on Instagram, bit of a running joke, but I like to plug it a few times an episode. Uh, the Instagram is at thinking underscore finance. That's at thinking underscore finance, where I'll put regular content out. And as well, it allows people to access me, send me a message, then DMs are always open. Uh, anybody can send me, whether you follow the account or not. Let me know what you think of the podcast, any ideas for future episodes or things you'd like to hear. If there's anything you don't like, please do let me know. I do appreciate both positive and negative feedback, for example, and I apologise if you are one of my recurring listeners. Uh, I was told last week's episode the audio wasn't very good. It was a bit quiet. Uh, I've looked into that. That was because of the room that I recorded it in. Um, being, being truthful here, uh, maybe a little bit unprofessional, um, as many people will know, bit of a running joke as well as the Instagram thing, but I'm going through a house move at the moment, uh, me and my partner, fiance, had a offer accepted on a house back in June, and as of today, we are still probably nowhere nearer moving in, um, so we're all over, I'm all over the show to be honest, I'm not living in the uh, in, in, in the flat I was previously in, we, we've moved out. I'm in with the mother-in-law, which is uh, lovely, as you can imagine. Uh, we, have, we, have, we have a good laugh, to be fair. But I'm, I'm all over the show trying to find a spare room to, uh, to record in. Last week, I did it in work's boardroom at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, which is a big room, and that made my voice a lot quieter, it would seem. So apologies about that, but... Uh, hopefully this week should be a little bit better. This week, uh, it's an episode I've kind of put off for a while in the uh, in the finance section, but we're talking about protection, which for all intents and purposes is insurance, life insurance, etc. And I've kind of put off this this episode for a bit because. It, it, it was similar to the pensions episode where I don't think people are going to find it massively interesting. And, you know, I was talking about it earlier this week, whether I'm, I'm even going to do this episode. But I, I went back to, you know, my reasons why I'm doing the podcast. And, you know, if, if I want, if you are more interested in my reasons behind the, the, this whole thing, do uh, listen to our introductory uh, trailer episode where I talk about it. But one of the main reasons is I want to people to control the finances and understand the different products and things that are available to you and, and, and the importance of each one. 
and I've always said that the first episode, uh, the first series even, is is to build up a bit of a library of knowledge, you know, different things where people can dip in and dip out. Uh, I expect after I move on with the podcast and do future series that they're not going to be so much information led, but the, this first one certainly is. Uh, obviously, I share my opinions on a lot of things as as well. But I do want a bit of information out there so people can uh, can understand products a bit. And like I say, in the future, if the podcast is doing well and getting more and more listeners, people can just dip in, dip out. You know, if you've got any questions on pensions, you can listen to the pensions episode uh, and then follow up with a question to me or, or, or whichever way around you may want to do it. But, you know, insurance is a massive thing and I certainly think that it's important that I cover it which is why I've decided to go ahead and and, and, and do the episode. So I'm going to uh, talk about a few different uh, kinds of insurance policies, what are available. Then I'm going to talk about my thoughts on them as an advisor, as, as somebody um, uh, who, who actually, you know, recommends these kind of products to people and and, and then just different um di- di- different forms of it um and and, and such uh, and, and so on sorry for, to stutter a little bit so I'm, in fact i'm going to start off with my thoughts of it as an advisor because as a product it is one of the most important things that you could have certainly the amount of people that i've i've met who have been left in a bad situation because they've not had the correct cover or any cover in place you know it, it's not insignificant and whilst i can stress the importance of it and i, and I, and I certainly do to people say you know you really need this it's 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 massive you know if you're a young couple living together and something happens to the other one the other person is fully liable for say the house if you've got a giant house together and if there's no cover in place, you know that that person's going to run into financial difficulty, if not debt. Um, and and I know you don't really want to think about these things, and it's something I'm going to go on and speak about. I'm going to call it the big short effect, just because it's kind of touched upon in that film in the book. But the my issue with it as an advisor, uh, and and it's probably where I struggle with it, and I've got to kind of wear my big boy pants, is when I recommend it to somebody, it's literally a one-off thing. You say, yeah, you need this cover. You know, you need to put it in place and pay your monthly premiums for as long as the policy lasts. And it kind of, it, it makes me feel like I'm selling a product. And and that's one thing that I really hate. I don't like, um, and, and, and I'm not a salesman at, by any stretch of the imagination. I, w- I wouldn't sell you a can of Coke, let, let, let alone... You know a complex product that's going to cost potentially thousands of pounds um, and and obviously when i recommend something to someone that's what i'm doing i'm recommending i'm advising i'm you know i'm guiding somebody what they should be doing with insurance it always feels like i'm selling something you know i I'm, I'm, i want you to buy this product and and that's not what what it is and, and that's why i try and approach my advice as a little bit different Certainly, with insurance, I uh, I try and take a backwards step. I sit down with somebody and I'll say, "Look, this is what it is. It's it's rubbish. 
you're essentially paying for something that you don't want to pay out, uh, that, that you don't want to ever need to use. And, and, you know, and the likelihood is that you won't use it. But for those few people who do need it, if they're one of the percentage that didn't buy the product or, or doesn't have any kind of cover, they're the ones that are going to have serious financial difficulties in life. So that's why I struggle with it. And, it, and it, again, it, I suppose it was one of the reasons why I put off putting the episode because it's a hard one for me to talk about, like I say, and I've got to because it's part of my job and, and, and I've got a duty of care over people to tell them this is what you kind of need in place. Uh, I've got a meeting with a client in a few weeks who who did, I did a mortgage for, um, how long ago now? Probably about 18 months ago now I did this mortgage for, for, for these clients and, and, and they decided not to take out life insurance. Now they probably will be just about okay if, they, uh, if, if one of them did pass away because they've got wealth elsewhere. But it's not a pleasant situation and, and certainly the, I advised them that they needed this extra bit of protection. They decided not to take it. Now whether that's because they, they were happy with their other protection or comfortable or, or for whatever reason, you know, I, I'll, I'll be seeing them again in a few weeks and I will be bringing it up again just to say, you know, you do have this shortfall. But it, it's an awkward one for me to approach because it's literally, it's a one-off thing. It's this for that. Um, it, it, most of the things I advise people on say a pension or an investment I'll have an ongoing relationship I'll be monitoring how the investments go in I'll be monitoring how people's pension plans are working uh, 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 alongside the broader financial plan for example if somebody tell, comes to me at 35 says right this is my pension I need uh, I don't know how much I want to put in it or how it how it needs to be invested, but I want to retire at 60. I can then monitor that pension on an ongoing basis alongside the, 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 the relationship that I've got with them. And basically, I'll sit down with them every year or on the phone whenever they need me and basically say, right, okay, you've fallen a little bit behind plan, but you need to contribute X amount to, to make up the shortfall or... You know, we're ahead on plan, let's push on and you might be able to retire at 58 at this rate. You know, all them kind of things. And insurance, it just feels like that one-off that one-off transaction suddenly becomes a bit more sales-like, which is why I struggle struggle with it because I'm not a salesman. You know, I like I like getting to know people and building up trust over time. And, and certainly when I'm talking about it in a podcast, I don't want you as my listeners to think that I'm selling you something because I'm not. It's it's massively important. Everybody needs it. Who who uh, who has a, an outstanding liability or a dependent? But at the end of the day, I'm not asking you to buy insurance off me. It, it, it's just I want people to be aware of it, which is one of the big things that I'm doing this podcast for. It's to build awareness, and uh, you know, speak about something that I enjoy talking about. But I'll talk about now the different kinds of insurance that are available. Uh, and, 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 and then some of the, the caveats that go with that. So the main kind of insurance is as simple um, in, in the terms that I deal with, uh, life insurance. Pretty straightforward life insurance uh, policy. You choose a sum assured. I'll talk about the different modifications you can put on that. But life insurance, for all intents and purposes, is when somebody dies, somebody else gets a sum of money. Simple as that. 
then there's critical illness insurance. Pretty similar. Uh, and basically, you'd normally have this packaged into a earlier or a life or critical illness uh, package. But basically, if somebody is diagnosed with a, a pre a predefined illness, uh, say cancer or has a heart attack or a stroke, if that person lives beyond a set amount, normally 30 days, that policy will pay out because obviously let's say somebody has a really bad stroke uh, a couple in a house if 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 that person is still still alive but but in a in an incapacitated way say in a vegetated state state you know that is probably going to increase the need for cover um or, or some sort of financial assistance rather than you know, a straight death because at the end of the day somebody will still have to pay off the mortgage but at the same time they're going to need a little bit more money to uh, to actually help out that person you know mm -hmm. if they become now a new dependent uh, which which is a common thing uh, and then there's the 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 other kinds of insurance that are generally regular payers so there's income protection or family income benefit benefit which basically income protection means if something happens that means you can't work that'll pay you a percentage of your salary so for example say you have a bad car accident you break both your legs and you're a builder and you can't go to work for a year income protection will pay a percentage of of your wages uh, until you go back to work and there's loads of different policies around those but they're, they're your core kind of policies obviously the need for protection generally relates to assets um, so for example life and critical illness you're going to need some money to either say you've not got a mortgage and somebody uh, somebody takes and takes a gets diagnosed with said illness you probably need a lump sum of money or a regular income to try and help them out you know for example like i said the example i gave was a, was a stroke uh, i can can't kind of relate to this i know that my 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 nan had a stroke on christmas day probably how many years ago now 12 years ago maybe maybe 13 years ago uh, and and they didn't have any protection her and my granddad were both retired uh, my granddad's now in his 80s my nan passed away uh seven years ago now uh, but she she had a stroke and she was bedridden for five years. Now they didn't have any protection, um, and and I don't I don't I don't and I don't know how they got by because they weren't very wealthy. But basically, outside of state support, my granddad was liable to to pay for the rest of the care for for example modifying the house, modifying the bathroom, so that my my, my nan was still able to get the care she needed. It was either that or full time care. Uh, which perhaps you know may have been the the the, the financial financially better option, but when you've been in a relationship for sixty years, you probably want to be in that situation where you can care for someone. Now these kind of insurances would have been the ones that would have paid out and certainly helped my uh, my granddad and nan. So uh, and I do know they went through some kind of financial difficulty. Now obviously my nan's passed away and. My granddad's okay. He does he does fine? He, he has his pensions, etc. But you know, first hand you can see where 
if you take the financial element out as an already distressing situation you know you can concentrate on what matters and that's looking after your loved one etc or you know for example if it is worst case scenario and that person passes away you know you don't have to you you you, you if, if your financial aspects are sorted you know you can concentrate on that you don't need the the you know more grief on your plate for example you imagine being married to somebody for 30 years and they pass away and you've no protection in place you know you want to have the chance to mourn and and and, and you know look after yourself and, and, and your family if there's children involved etc but at the same time if you add the financial element into that that becomes a whole lot more stressful and a different situation so it is something worth having now the issue is 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 and i spoke about it earlier is this big short effect uh, and basically there's the the big short is a film about the 2008 financial uh crisis or it's a book as well which is well worth a read but the, the, the film and the book basically concentrates on people who kind of saw the financial crash coming and, and actually profited off it. And it's, it sounds as a quite a negative way, but it's, it, the characters are painted a little bit more as heroes, as, as they kind of warn people and say, look, this is going to happen. And, and, and they kind of make provisions to, um, to benefit from the financial crash if it does happen by shorting mortgage bonds uh, but the, the the two characters that I want to talk about uh, are two, two lads who, who run this small hedge fund um, it starts off they're actually running it out of a garage but then they, they start doing really well for themselves and they move into New York etc and obviously get involved with the, uh, the financial crash but there's a, an interesting model where they talk about their own business model where people basically minim, they, they, they underestimate the chances of something bad happening to them. So they, they kind of under-assure it or under-insure it, which basically means, ah, oh, I don't really need much insurance, nothing or bad will happen to me. So they kind of work on this model where if the bad thing doesn't happen well most people don't think that's going to happen anyway so if they get it wrong then they um they don't the 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 premiums etc don't really kill them because life insurance isn't too dear or at the time of the film it isn't too dear i am going to speak about that in a minute but if these bad things do happen for example the the, the financial crash kind of ties in really well with with their investment model when these bad things do happen the payouts are massive and you can compare that to life insurance for example if, if you cover um let, 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 let me think so one of my clients has just bought a flat in manchester uh, doesn't have any de- dependents but for life insurance is important because you know he doesn't want his dad or his brother or his sister saddled with his mortgage debt should anything bad happen to him so he's got life insurance in place um with 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 us uh with with me i I spoke to him about it and he agreed that it was important and his mortgage is for over a hundred thousand pound i can't remember the exact figure Uh, but the life insurance premium for him for like 30 years 100 and odd grand payout is like six pound a month 
it, it was it was like r- ridiculously low and life life insurance is is fairly cheap critical illness insurance is is a lot different but just to reiterate that principle is you know for example in, in this client's case say he was married or had a partner and they were paying this six pound a month premium for for life insurance say they paid it for two years so that's what quick fag packet maths 150 pounds worth of premiums paid and what something bad happens that insurer by law pays out 130,000 pounds let's say in this case that's somebody who's paid 150 pounds out for something they hope never pays out now something tragic has happened but the other person is now financially very well off and that kind of links to these uh, insurance scams that you see and that's why insurers are obviously very careful before they pay out the money etc because people do try and cheat the system uh, and, and whatnot but you know you can you certainly if you pay out premiums on a monthly basis no matter how high your cover is you'll never pay out the same amount as an insurer would pay out should said horrific event happen and and, and at the end of the day they do happen let's say i don't know seven or eight out of ten people probably never ever need their insurance policy and 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 maybe they get to later life and think bloody hell i've paid 10 grand in insurance premiums but you know you, you can't look at it like that because if you're one of the two or three out of ten people that needed it and didn't have it all you're hoping and praying is for god for the sake of 30 quid a month i wish i'd had this cover i wouldn't be in this situation i'm in now so it is it is important to think about and and just as we go on to the last 10 minutes i want to talk about different kind of uh of, of, of protection available that's not just life insurance you obviously uh, I, I mentioned a a the, the a couple earlier who i'm seeing in a few weeks time who who have a mortgage with me now they're actually both retired these people uh, but i still said to them look you, you kind of need a bit of life insurance just so you know you, you're double covered if something happens and you've got to sell this house or do this that and the other it's not what you want to be dealing about in your six dealing with in your 60s you know you you just want it straightforward that's paid off no issues and and and, and you can move on and, and you know more more in, in your own way um but they do have other kind of protections in place and that's probably why they haven't done it because they've got money in the bank they've got wills in place power of attorney etc so they're fairly well covered even if something bad happens so obviously the 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 gimme is joint assets they they can protect you in the in the form of something bad say you build up a lump sum in the bank um a a popular or or common example is that of this is a lot of elderly people rather than having an insurance policy in the form of a funeral plan where they basically pay monthly premiums and then when they pass away the whoever they've got the, the life insurance slash funeral plan with will pay out a lump sum to to pay for the funeral costs uh pre-covid obviously when whatever the ridiculous number of people that are allowed to a funeral is currently i think it's 15 but um a lot of older people rather than having a funeral plan 
will just have a sum of money in a bank. Uh, I've spoke to my own mother. Uh, I know I know other people that have always said, "Oh, I've got ten grand in the bank that'll pay for my funeral." Um, I don't know how much funerals cost. To be honest, I, I, I'm I'm guessing that that's a bit of research that perhaps um, will be useful down the line. But uh, you know, I know a lot of people that have a sum of money in the bank that'll cover funeral costs and whatever else they want, whether it's to be cremated or however they want to go uh, at the end of the day. But you know, that is one comparison. If you've got a lump sum of cash in the bank, now if that goes through probate, that that that'll you know cause issues because people will not get it as quick as you may you may want it to go and and that's obviously where the role of an advisor comes in but you know that's a form of protection having cash in the bank just in case something goes bad or you know when i mentioned before income protection you know people who say can't work for six months or a year you know but they're still going to have bills to pay a mortgage a mortgage to pay etc or rent then people, rather than having an income protection plan, and I actually put myself in this bracket, I don't have an income protection plan, uh, but but what I do have is a rainy day fund. If something bad happens, I've got some money in the bank that will tide me over. Okay, it won't tide me over for long in, in, in the current climate, but you know I've got that. And a lot of people, you know, you will have heard the term, money aside for a rainy day and what that basically means or is it, it, it's a form of protection uh, and, and 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 you know that's one way of doing it now obviously there's drawbacks on that when you compare it to insurance but then there's also positives so let, let's compare some of money in the bank that you've got for a rainy day uh you you, you know you put that away to one side the, the positive of having that is if that rainy day never comes and you've still got, say, put £5,000 that'll pay your mortgage for six months should anything bad happen to you, you put that in a bank account and you get 60 and you've paid off your mortgage, you've still got that money. You've got a lump sum at the end. Now, the difference is with a insurance policy is when that term ends, normally in line with your mortgage, say you've paid off your mortgage so your insurance stops you don't have a lump sum anymore you don't get anything now there are policies out there where you can link it to an investment and and you can kind of cash in so to speak but they're not very common in these days really Uh, they're they're quite old-fashioned plans and generally it's just straight up kind of life insurance critical illness insurance or income protection but if once them policies cease they're finished there's no cash in value there's no investment value you've paid your premiums and you don't get anything back which puts off a lot of people but then the difference is if the bad thing does happen and you need your rainy day fund or insurance the rainy day fund is a finite amount once that money's gone it's gone and if this injury or reason that you need to draw this money carries on beyond the date that you're expecting all of a sudden you've got no more reserves whereas with a, an insurance policy if it's set up right that should pay you for the duration of when you need it and, and they're the key differences but you know i'm not saying which is right and which is wrong i always say that advice depends on the individual person's circumstances like for example in my in, in, in my situation, I, I don't feel the need for income protection at the moment. I've got my, my rainy day fund and I think that I could be secure 
if if I'm out of work, I could either manage to find a job that will pay the mortgage or, or sell the house. You know, I've got them choices. I'm happy with the level of cover I've got. Um, but it would be different for somebody else. Somebody else may need a, a different kind of policy. Uh, and, and just to touch on for the last few bits, so cash in the bank is, is easy. Obviously, equity in a house, if you've got a joint house uh, with, with a partner and, and, and you hold it as um, tenants in common or, or joint joint proprietors, proprietors, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my word there a little bit, the other person may inherit the equity. Obviously, like I say, it depends on how you hold the house. But let's say you buy a £200,000 house and you've got a mortgage for £150,000. As you pay that off, obviously you own more and more of the house until the mortgage is paid off. Let's say you're getting towards the end of the term and you hold £150,000 worth of equity of this £200,000 house the other person may inherit the whole equity should you pass away and that gives them probably a bit more cushion if they want to extend the mortgage or you know sell the house and and they've got that bit of money you know that's one form of protection you know through pure assets um and then uh, the final one that I'm going to quickly talk about uh well sorry two more uh first one I'm going to talk about is pensions uh, if you go to my pensions episode, I think it's episode three or four, uh, do give it a listen. But I talk a lot about flexible pension plans, which probably 90, if not more, percent of uh, the people listening to this podcast will have. Uh, a flexible pension plan, you can nominate a death benefit, um, you can make a death benefit nominee. Um, and, and that's basically somebody to take your pension as a lump sum should anything happen to you. There are certain tax rules around that. For example, if you die before 75, that person will inherit that plan uh, tax-free. If you die after 75, that person will take the, the, the plan subject to the rate of income tax. But like I say, if you've got a 100, 200, 300 grand pension plan, that's like a life insurance policy because if you pass away before age 60 or 75 in this case and you've still got a mortgage, that person could use your pension to pay off the mortgage because obviously the likelihood is or my hope as an advisor is that they'd have their own pension. So that's kind of a bit of extra protection policy that oh, obviously if you're paying into a pension and, and, and you don't ever you, you don't pass away before you draw it or pay off your mortgage, You've still got something to show for what you've been paying into over these years. Again, it's just one idea, and 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 again, it's just making sure people are aware of their options and and have got something to to fall back on should they don't should they not want to um, get involved with these. And the final thing I want to touch upon, and it's it, I speak to a lot of companies, so just to rein back in for a, a second as a financial advisor. I deal with individuals, obviously people who need bits of advice, whether they're buying a house or they have an investment, yada, yada. Uh, but I also deal with companies and look after them as a whole. By that, I'll, I'll advise on employee benefits as a part of it. And a lot of companies, and, and I'm guessing some people listening to this will have this benefit, 
but won't be aware of it. But a lot of companies offer a deaf in service plan for their employees. What a deaf in service plan is, is basically a non-underwritten life insurance plan that basically pays out to a nominated person or a person's estate should anything happen to them if they are an eligible employee for this company. Now that is normally paid out as a multiple of salary. So for example, I've got four times death in service. If anything was ever to happen to me, Harley would receive a lump sum of four times my annual salary. And that's additional to the life insurance we've already got in place. Uh, Harley's got the exact same kind of policy through her work. It's a different employer, but you know they, they've got uh, the same kind of employee benefit scheme. If you do have one of these schemes, uh, or, or if you're unsure, contact your boss or your HR person and just double check and just say, do we have anything kind of deaf in service? If you do, make sure your nomination is up to date. So for example, I've been at the company I work for now for what? Two, year, two and a half years maybe, just a bit less. Uh, and for over a year I worked there, I had this benefit uh, after my probation period finished but I didn't make a nomination. So if I'd have died in that first year, uh, that lump sum would have been paid to my estate, but it wouldn't, it, it had to either go in accordance with my will or by the laws of interstacy, which basically is a set, if not somebody dies without a, a will in place, there's a set way it goes, for example, for a married person, it will go to husband or wife, children, grandchildren, brothers, sisters, etc. There's a certain order that these go down. I've actually got an exam on it in a few weeks' time, so I best, uh, I best get up to date with that. But, um, you know, it's important that if you are somebody with this benefit, which is a brilliant benefit because work pays for a life insurance plan, that would be invaluable for your partner or for whoever you want to have that should anything happen to you uh, it's important to make sure that you've got your nomination up to date because if you don't say you had a death in service plan you was using that as your life insurance and you passed away but you hadn't nominated anybody and say you you had a girlfriend that you shared a house with that person wouldn't automatically receive that um, it would go dependent to your will and if your girlfriend or boyfriend isn't isn't factored into your will that's when uh, it gets a bit messy and this lump sum takes ages to get to whoever it goes to and it might not go to the person you want to do something really simple long story short i know i've babbled if you've got death in service at work check who it's nominated to if it's not nominated to someone make it make that nomination even if you just send an email and your boss forgets to action it for a few weeks, that email will be proof of where you wanted it to go. So that is enough for the finance section. I hope I haven't bored you to tears. Um, but that is life insurance and, and different kinds of insurances and protection for you. Massively important just to be aware, should you have any dependents or, or you know, even if you don't, but you've got assets or liabilities, more importantly... That's the key thing to remember. Liabilities are passed on as well as assets when, when you pass away. You need to make sure that somebody else is going to be okay if someone depends on you. Or if you've got joint dependency, for example, share bills in a house. 
But like I say, I don't want to try and sound like I'm selling it. You can you can get life insurance from anywhere. An advisor would help you probably find the right kind for you or, or within your budget, etc. and work out a bit of a plan. But it's not necessary if you don't want to use an advisor. You can go online and get a plan for, for you know relatively low cost. But do consider it if you take anything away. Even if you don't bother with it in the end, do take it away. Now, I know I've gone over a little bit, and I haven't actually mentioned what my off-topic section is going to be this week, but I, uh, I kind of changed this at the last minute. I'm going to talk about university. I'm going to talk about my own experience quite briefly um, and just what I think the pros and cons of university are. The re- I, I wasn't actually going to factor uni into this, but I had messages from quite a few friends and people who listened to the podcast last week. Uh, last week's episode was careers in finance for, for those who, uh, who, who who haven't listened to it. And, and I spoke a little bit about university courses and, and my own journey from university, etc. A lot of people found that interesting or gave me good comments around that so far. Well, I'll talk about university this week. So, just to recap, for those who don't know, I went to Edgehill University when I was 18, studied English with no real idea what I was going to do. I was thinking, probably teaching, but I wasn't actually that certain. Um, did that for a few for, for three years, didn't get a great grade at university, I think I got middle of the road 2-2 I think I got. Uh, yeah, 2-2, high 2-2 I got. And it... it, it you know, most people go to uni expecting a minimum of a 2-1, so I didn't get the highest grade, but certainly I've gone on and I've done well in my career, if I do say so myself, I'm really proud of what I've accomplished. But I thought, that gets me thinking about uni for other people and where it fits into kind of careers, but also general life. So, you know, being honest, university for me, I don't think it really enhanced my career prospects in terms of the grade I got or the subjects I did. English is very good. I write a lot of reports, so it does help with my writing for reports. But I I always have to get somebody to check my grammar. And a lot of the times there's corrections. Certainly when I first started writing recommendation reports, my manager, and if, if he's listening to this, I am sorry, Alan, uh, but my, my, my manager used to always criticise my grammar. Now, hopefully I've got better uh, and, and the, it, it, it doesn't need as much corrections now. But I did an English degree and my grammar was wrong in reports. So, you know, truthfully, my my degree, it didn't really enhance my career prospects, I don't think. I say that as well, you know, there's a lot of graduates working at a big company that I started off my career at, it's a big investment company in Manchester, uh, and there was a lot of graduates there, but there was also a lot of people that weren't graduates, people who hadn't gone to university and just had a background in administration, they'd administrated at one firm and moved to another, uh, which is what I did when I started, and it was quite interesting because my background, my part-time job or full-time over the summer when I was back from university, was administration in a medical legal company um, of of different sorts. You know, my job was operations administrator, and then I became a pensions administrator when I went uh, to to this company. And I could have probably, if I'd have worked full-time at at that company, 
uh, which which I did from um, from the age of eighteen. Obviously, like I said, over the summers, and I could have gone there full time. I could have potentially gone down the route I've gone and still be sat here today. Um, so I I don't actually think my university degree helped me in terms of education or getting me into my job. That said, where it did help me, and it was what I wanted from university, to be honest with you, was the life skills and the experience. Um, and, and that is completely priceless. You can't... Well, I say it's completely priceless that I get a letter from student finance every year with a ridiculous amount of debt on it. Um, but but it, it the, the life skills I got from university is certainly that has put me where I am today. Okay, the degree hasn't really, you know, I, nobody hired me on the back of a, a 2-2 English degree. Uh, certainly, no, no, nobody said, oh, that's amazing, you know, you get in here, now you've done a topic on Pride and Prejudice, you, you deserve this job in financial services. Certainly nobody was saying that to me. But in terms of the way I dealt with people, and I approach people, how I speak with people, um, and... and 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 you know and understand the way the world works. That was a lot to do with uni. Now, you no, know, my my family. or oh, I, I come from a split family. Parents split when I was very young. Um, my 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 mother's side. You know, did didn't do particularly well. You know, wasn't a very wealthy side. And my my, my dad did a lot better for himself. In in, in when when he split off and, and remarried, etc. I say remarried, married for the first time. Um, Anyone who uh, who is listening will be muttering under the breath. Yeah, I always knew you was a bastard, Ashley. Um, but you you know I I kind of had that kind of split upbringing where I saw both sides of it were you know not as well to do and quite well to do. Uh, and when I went to uni, that was the same again. Where you see all different walks of life, people who are very wealthy. There was somebody who lived in the halls down across from me, who who didn't have a student loan or a maintenance loan and 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 you know the places where where he lived and 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 where where he drank didn't have a job and that you know his 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 father who i believe was quite a high flyer business executive you know probably forked out around 50 grand cash for his his university fees etc and his way of life great if you can do it but most people can't so you know you, and then you get people on the other side who you know, don't have any financial support from the parents and have got to make ends meet through part-time jobs, etc., and do struggle, you know, you, you see all walks of life and certainly dealing with that myself, um, it, it was a big a big thing. Uh, for example, my the way I worked at university was my, my, my student loan would generally pay off my rent for the year, but it wouldn't cover anything else. On top of that, I would then work part-time and then save some money when I worked full-time over the summer to, to have some cash in the bank to be able to live and get by. And I still struggled. God, there was months where I'd go by. I, I think at one point my, my budget was like £100 for food and drink for a month, which is great. But you've got to remember you're at university and drinking is is the main thing. And certainly that's what I enjoyed. So I would like spend a tenner on six loaves of bread like cheap you know own brand bread like 30p loaves get them all in the freezer 
and then get a load of frozen sausages, a load of frozen fish fingers, and just live off sausage and fish finger butties for a month. And then that remaining £90 would be my night out budget, which I generally go over and God struggle with whatever kind of other debt came came my way. Um, But, you know, that was the truth of the situation. But there were all sorts I experienced at uni that, that I wouldn't have the chance to experience in, in, in wider life, really. Um, one thing that's not very common anymore, uh, and I'm really glad I experienced it because it was a struggle, was in my second year, I lived in a house where bills weren't included with my rent. The rent was a lot cheaper, but uh, you, you know we had gas and electric bills. Um, water bill was included. Oh, no, water bill wasn't included. We had to pay a lump sum for that for the year, though. Um but but gas and electric weren't and it was on a meter so rather than the the landlord taking a chance of us not paying our utilities and running away he put it on a meter which basically meant if you didn't pay the meter you didn't have electric or gas and and it was common i lived with all walks of life i think it was five or six of us in this house um some that i still speak to today and who who are still close friends and some that I don't speak to, didn't really get on with, uh, or, or did for a bit and didn't for a bit, etc. Uh, and there was all sorts of different dynamics, you know, people who didn't pay on time or wouldn't pay or wouldn't couldn't pay, you know, for example, people who were skint. And, and God, being in that experience where I was going on the tick with the, uh, the electric, you know, having to put on emergency electric so I could have a warm shower, uh, same with the gas, you know. And, and, and this was kind of like, this is how you live you know we had a freezer in that if somebody didn't pay the electric you know things were going to defrost and there were many times god it was embarrassing sometimes i'd have mates up from back home and i'd normally have like eight mates up who'd just be crashing on a different part of the floor throughout the house and i remember once there was a sunday morning and everyone were hung over and rough and wanted pot noodles and showers and that and we're all waking up and then all of a sudden you know the electric went and then the it was a sunday morning everyone was awake at like eight o'clock even though we'd only probably gone to bed at five uh, and everyone was rough didn't want to speak or do anything just wanted to you know sort themselves out and the shops weren't open until 11 o'clock that day so i had all my mates around it was so embarrassing it was the three hours where we didn't have electric or in the house so couldn't watch telly people couldn't charge the phones that were out of battery and that that was common but it's a life skill that i've uh that i've learned for example if i'm ever in the situation where i'm on a meter again you you better be sure that i will never have anybody around without me looking at my meter first and knowing that i've got enough money on it to uh to, to get me by for, through the weekend you know and, and it was little things like that uh, i briefly spoke about debt I, you know i see many people who come to uni and they struggle with debt it's a big thing and i want to do some work around student education on finance but you know it's just finding finding the right platform to do it and i do hope you know if there's any students listening to this that they message me with any questions they've got because i struggle badly you know i had debt at uni and i'm talking credit cards you know overdrafts etc i know people who were a lot worse than me and probably by the time they left uni their debt was upwards of 50 grand after student loan well not after including student loans you know you probably leave uni with 
40 grand worth of student debt but I know people who had maxed out three or four credit cards loans payday loans overdrafts and a lot of it comes very easy to you if you're a student you know applying for an extension on your overdraft getting a personal loan um, because a lot of it isn't verified you can just self-certify that may be a wider issue for the credit in industry but certainly student debt is 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 a massive issue and i saw that first and dealt with it a little bit myself obviously i was fortunate enough to kind of walk into my dream career from uni and i, and I made you know the skills I, I learned through dealing with people and listening to people and managing to have you know proper conversations and and picking up things from people you know learning I kind of spoke about it briefly last week and if you haven't listened do go back but the importance of soft skills and learning them I learned so many of them at uni not necessarily from a course but just the general way of life and uh, dealing and living with people and strangers and whatnot you know and I came out of uni and managed to get myself a good job and any any debt that I'd had was was very quickly paid off and sorted out uh, and, and, and whatnot all managed and I know people, you know, who didn't have that luxury and, and didn't kind kind of manage that, but certainly, uh, that's that's my takeaway that the soft skills, the life skills you can learn from university become completely invaluable. It's not right for everyone. Now, and 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 like I said, just because my my course didn't lead to my job directly, doesn't mean that it that 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 doesn't happen. There are so many tailor made courses that kind of just plant you into your job for example teaching is, is a good one to get in through unions so much support uh, there's a lot of finance careers and, and degrees that you can do that linking and the, there's certainly no issue with them just because it didn't work for me but then at the same time a lot of people who may be degree heavy in the studies of their life may not have the uh, the, the social skills or, or live the uni life or have the fun i had or, or you know, people may you know find that perfect blend of both. I know certainly somebody I, I I lived with who's still a good friend. She did the dream course for herself and works in that industry now, but still very much lived the life and did very well. You know, she was she she, she probably came out the model student and did perfect. You know, got what she wanted from uni in terms of life and career skills. Certainly, if you can find the balance and be one of them people, do it. Um, if you're like me and you, you you go strong on one side rather whether that's the career or the uh, the social side doesn't mean you're doing it wrong it just means that you're taking your own path which again it kind of links into last week's episode there are a million ways to get to the where you want to be and certainly no right or wrong answers so that's just about enough for me this week. Uh, even though it was an episode I was predicting to probably be the shortest episode, I think it's gone on to be one of the longer ones. Uh, I hope you found something useful. If you've got any questions whatsoever, please do give me a message. I'll be sharing stuff out this week on uh, on, on Instagram. It's at thinking underscore finance. That's at thinking underscore finance. Give me a follow, give me some feedback, let me know what you think as we go into the final three episodes of my first series. Thanks again for listening, take care.